Welcome to the Pubcast, your inside look at electronic publishing. From ebooks to websites to podcasts and more, join us as we interview the professionals on the cutting edge of publishing. Today I'm getting a little bit meta and doing a podcast about podcasting. I'm speaking with Mr. Rob Walsh, VP of Podcaster Relations at Libsyn. Hello, Rob. Hey, Ken. Good to talk with you. How are you today? Oh, good. Yourself? I'm excellent. Thank you. So we first met several years ago when Ryan Suinaga recommended that we reach out to you to come speak at Kansas Fest, which is an annual Apple II Expo in Kansas City. And I don't believe you are an Apple II user, but you are a local to the Kansas City area and a renowned podcaster. And you've been coming to this event for almost eight years now, speaking all about the Apple and iOS and macOS. That's correct. Now, I am an Atari 800 user still, but so I still have a 6502 um, running through my veins. So, And do you still have that Atari? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And Atari 400 for spare parts in case the 800 ever breaks. Oh, wonderful. You should bring them to Kansas Fest sometime and see if we throw rocks at you. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about how you got started. You launched the Today in iPhone podcast in April 2007, and I believe your background at that time was in sales and marketing. So what led you to do a podcast? Well, actually, my first podcast was before that. It was uh, 2004. So late 2004, I started podcasting. Yeah, my first podcast was called Podcast 4. It is still out there called Podcast 411. And it's a podcast about interviewing podcasters. So think of Inside the Actor Studio, except for podcasting. And I wanted to teach and help people learn how to podcast through that podcast and the website I set up at podcast411.com. So that was how I got into podcasting. And again, that was in, in 2004. In 2007, Steve Jobs got up there and showed off the iPhone, and I said, I have to have one of those. And I said, the best way to make sure I get an iPhone is to do a podcast about the iPhone. So that's when I launched Today an iPhone in April of 2007 as the first iPhone podcast. And then you guys found out about me, and I was out at K-Fest in July of 2007, and I've been there eight, eight times I've presented to you guys. So it's a, a lot of fun presenting it's it's the one conference I present at that I actually feel my geek cred goes up when I go there because I'm I'm the low the low geek on the totem pole in that at that conference. Well, the nice thing about Kansas Fest is that everybody has a very particular expertise, and we all benefit from each other. It's a great group of people. Now, I have used an Apple II in the past, by the way, and and I'm not definitely I am an Apple fanboy, but I just. I couldn't afford an Apple II when I was a teenager, and an Atari 800 was it was the best I could do. So, what led you to podcasting in the first place? Way back in '04, you were one of the first podcasters. I had just finished my MBA at UConn, and I was traveling, and I needed a new hobby. Uh, so, I, it was like, oh, this thing called podcasting, and I heard about it, and I said, yeah, I want to do this. And, I, and when I first looked into it, I, I found out, wow, there's no articles, nobody's out there telling people how to podcast. There was like one article in, in Engadget that said, hey, if you want a podcast, put this enclosure tag in your RSS feed and you're, you're podcasting. And I was like, what's an enclosure tag? What's an RSS feed? So I, uh, I started learning all about it. And, and you know, it was just kind of a hobby I picked up and the hobby became a job. So this year makes 10 years that you've been podcasting. Happy anniversary. Well, thank you. Thank you. It's, it's been a fun 10 years. How have you seen the medium change in that time? 
early on, if you wanted to listen to a podcast, you really, really had to want to listen to a podcast. It was go and download this third-party app called iPod or X onto your Mac, and then it'll sync up with your iTunes account, and then you can sync it to your iPod, and then you can take it with you uh, when you go to work or when you travel. I mean, it was a lot of work to subscribe to podcasts. Oh, and by the way, if you wanted to find a feed to subscribe to, good luck on that because, uh, you know, you needed to either go to Podcast Alley and try to search through there or, and a few other different ones, podcast.net. And, and there was really no centralized place to find podcasts back then. It wasn't until uh, the end of September, or excuse me, end of um, June of 2005 when Apple got into podcasting and, and, and launched it with uh, Vert. 4.9 of iTunes. Now, is it my own personal experience, or is it true that podcasting has sort of ebbed and flowed over the years? It feels like when it first arrived on the scene, it kind of caught some headlines, and then it sort of became a little bit less popular, and then about three years ago or four years ago, it got popular again. Is, is that representative of the industry, or is that just me? That's at representative of the media coverage of podcasting. The consumption of podcasting has steadily grown over the time. So it hasn't been where pod people start, you know, got really interested in and then stopped listening. People were continually listening and, and it was growing and the, and the listener base was always growing. What happened was for a while there, the media just stopped covering it. And, and then what happened was the comedians got into podcasting and the comedians were household names. And with the comedians getting into podcasting and some of those shows taking off, um, people like Mark Marin who who had been on Air America, had no audience, comes over to podcasting and grows a huge audience. Uh, so things like that caught the media's attention. And, and that's why in the last couple of years, there's been a, a renaissance in coverage of podcasting. But I would say all along, it's been steadily growing. And luckily, I'm, I'm at Libsyn, one of the largest podcast hosts, and I can see the stats and I've seen the stats and I know that it's been a steady progression and growth. Now, as a consumer, there are multiple benefits to the audio format. It's much easier to consume. You don't have to <laughs> glue your eyeballs to a video screen. The files are smaller. You can put them on more devices. What about for the producer? What are the benefits to creating an audio podcast in this day and age of YouTube and Vimeo and Twitch TV? It's a lot easier to create audio content than it is video content. You know, there's the rule 515. If you wanted to put a certain amount of content out there as a blog post, it might take you five minutes to do it. It'll take you an hour to do it as, as an audio podcast, it may take you five hours to do that same content as a video podcast uh, if you want to do it right. Um, so audio podcasting takes less time. It's just less involved. You can do it in more places. Uh, it's easier to edit, uh, especially you know when you make a lot of mistakes. <laughs> uh, editing up audio or uh, video when you make a lot of mistakes starts to look real choppy. Audio, you can edit anything and make it sound perfect. Like you're going to do with this interview, right? <laughs> of course. <laughs> and are there benefits for your relations with your audience? Is it easier to connect or can you connect in different ways with audio than you can with video? It's a lot more convenient for the end user to consume audio. I mean, you can consume it while you're driving in your car, while you're working out, while you're walking the dog, while you're bathing the dog. There's a lot more time in the day to consume audio than there is video. And, and that makes it a, a more amenable to the, the end users, I guess you'd say. And it also is more personable because it's right inside their ears. They're constantly, when they're, when they're listening to podcasts, it's in their head. It's not at a distance on a screen. It's inside their head. And I, I think that makes it a little bit more personal than, than video. 
because when I was an editor at a magazine, we were told that video was where it was at. And I've even seen that message come across from places like Blueberry, which is a podcast hosting service, where they say that, you know, the future is multimedia. The future is getting in front of your customers' eyeballs. And I feel like there is a lot to be said for the video format. I, being a YouTube show host, have found that to be true. But I don't think it's a one-to-one correlation. I don't think video is just audio and then some. I think it's a very different need and a very different audience. If you take the mega pop stars out of YouTube and look at what the regular YouTube views are for a video, it's one or two or three. Not one or two or three million, but one or two or three views for a typical video that's on YouTube. Sure, there's a lot of videos on YouTube and, and, uh, and a lot more, but if you, you actually take away that half a percent that's getting real big numbers, the majority of, you know, 99% of those on YouTube, the numbers are really small of what people are getting. Um, now, it, you're going to get a lot more views on a, on a biggest hit on YouTube than you will on the biggest hit on a podcast. That's for sure. But I, I think video has this, you know, that people think it's sexy. But if you're doing something that's business-oriented, business people don't want sexy. They want it when they want it. And I think and I always tell anybody, if you're going into podcasting and your core audience is business people, make it audio. And unless you have a compelling reason to do video, don't do video. And the worst types of videos out there are two people like me and you sitting right now talking with us on video. There's no value add for, say, our conversation to be video. Now, I have several YouTube shows of my own that are exactly that format, two people talking to each other. And you're right, there's very little reason to have that on video instead of audio. In fact, I encourage people to pursue the audio edition. But the reason I did the video edition is because on YouTube, I already have a subscriber base. I already have 35,000 people subscribed to my channel. And anytime you launch a new show in iTunes, you start with zero. You don't have an existing audience. You need to get people to come over from wherever they already are to find that show. Well, yeah, and in your case, is, I would say is a more unique case than the typical user. But, you know, again, if you mention um, video and, and mobile uh, platforms, you mentioned Blueberry, and, you know, and a big push they make is, is getting onto set-top boxes. And I look at our stats on Libsyn, and a lot of the podcasters actually use uh, the services to get into set-top boxes. And what we see is 0.04% of downloads, not 4%, but 0.04% of downloads go to set-top boxes. So at least when it comes to podcasts, even audio or video, people aren't consuming them on on set-top boxes. Now, what about monetization? I have had a lot of luck doing that with video, and I know uh, some friends of mine who host the Isometric Show recently got picked up by the 5x5 network, and they say that's proving quite lucrative. So is it easier or harder to monetize audio compared to video? What you have to have is an audience. And and if you look at the majority of, of videos on YouTube, majority of videos are not monetized now the majority of podcasts aren't monetized either but i think you know the average or the median number of a podcast is about 170 downloads the average is about 1900 and what you really need to be is about 5000 downloads if you really want to monetize it on a podcast go and look in youtube and look at what you know the median and average numbers are and from everything i've seen those numbers are a lot lower than 170 for the median number a lot lot lower down like 10 or under 10. 
How does one go about monetizing an audio podcast? Google makes it easy by just putting a video up and you let them put pre-roll ads on there. There doesn't really seem to be an equivalent that I have found for audio podcasts. There's not. And part of that is because you know, you're going to have a little bit more. I, I believe you have a much more intimate relationship with your audience as a podcaster than you do with the YouTube audience. A YouTube audience, for the most part, is a stumble-upon audience. Whereas a podcast audience is someone that's really into you, into your content, and they're going out of the way to consume it. The majority of people on YouTube are are consuming it as stumble upon. Hey, look at this link, and and, and now yes, there are some people that have subscribers, as you mentioned, your subscriber numbers. But you know what is it, what is the percentage of the people of your subscribers that when you release a new video within a day actually watch that video? So the traffic on an audio podcast may be lower, but the engagement is higher. Right. And and that means you also want to have advertising that you have a little bit more say in because you're building a, a stronger brand relationship. And, and so, you know, do you really want as a podcast um, that's G-rated to have an ad for something that you, you might not agree with? Maybe, you know, you know, I, I think the beauty of podcasting and advertising is you, at least with Libsyn, is you get to say, yes, I want that advertiser. And no, I don't. And I, as a podcaster myself, that's a choice I, I prefer. I don't like to have have an ad at the beginning of my show that I may personally disagree with who that advertiser is. Like, I wouldn't want a Samsung ad running at the front of today in iOS, and, and I wouldn't have a say on that if I was, you know, up on YouTube. Right. Right. What about getting your audience to listen in the first place? I have found, for example, I do some volunteer work with a particular nonprofit whose audience is not very tech-savvy. They tend to be older and work in professions that aren't very uh, technologically inclined. And we found in our focus groups that if we used the word podcast to promote this new show we were doing, that people would get nervous or scared because they didn't know what that word meant and they wouldn't know what to do with it. So we instead called it uh, an internet audio interview. We didn't call it radio because the analog to that is something that's live that you have to tune into, and we didn't want them thinking that they were going to miss it if they weren't there. So we promoted, we recorded dozens of episodes of this podcast, and we never called it a podcast, even though that's what it was, because we didn't want to intimidate or frighten our audience. So how do you get over the sort of technological hurdles that may be involved with getting somebody to listen to a podcast? I know you said that 10 years ago you had to really want to do it, and even nowadays, it might still be a little bit more difficult than just going to YouTube and pressing play. Well, it's actually easier now um, to get people to listen to your podcast than it is for them to get watch you on YouTube because you can have your own smartphone app for your show. So rather than saying, hey, go to the YouTube app and find my show, you can just say, hey, go to my app and watch my show or listen to my show. So, you know... Today, I think one of the big differences in podcasting is a lot of podcasters realize that having your own smartphone app really, really helps the engagement with your audience, and it helps on the people that are less tech savvy. Per the name podcast, I you know I don't agree with that sentiment. I, I believe a, a podcast is a podcast is like calling something a table or a chair. Initially, people don't know what a, a something is. They didn't know what a DVD was when it was first came out. They didn't know what a computer was when it first came out. Eventually, people get used to the name. Most people, the majority of people now do know the name podcast. Uh, when you look at the different surveys that are out there, Edison's done. 
So I, I, I have no issue calling it a podcast. As a matter of fact, I think calling it anything other than a podcast really starts to confuse more people than, it, than the people that, work, that are confused by the name podcast. So I, I think you're starting to get to a point where not calling it a podcast actually hurts you more than calling it a podcast. You know, I've, I've been arguing for years that the name is a podcast. If you look at it, Apple calls it a podcast. Microsoft calls it a podcast. Google calls it a podcast. Yahoo calls it a podcast. Nokia calls it a podcast. BlackBerry calls it a podcast. Everybody is calling it a podcast. So CBS calls it a podcast. ESPN calls it a podcast. All the major media companies call it podcast. Uh, so I think going against or away from the name actually hurts you at this point. Even though I'll, I still to this day encounter people who, when I say I have a podcast, they say, oh, I can't listen to it. I don't have an iPod. They're just un, just uneducated. I mean, it, it, but the reality is a podcast is a podcast. The name podcast is out there. And I just say, you know, hey, then you just tell them. Then you educate them. You're the one that educates them and says, hey, go and go ahead and uh, download my app. You know, or go to iTunes and go to the podcast app and search. Or you know, if they're on Android, that's definitely where you want to have your own app. You can say, hey, go into Google Play or Amazon App Store and download my app for my show, and you can listen to it that way. It really is about having your own smartphone app, though, today. I, I believe that wholeheartedly. 65% of podcast downloads are directly to mobile devices now. And if you don't have your own smartphone app as a podcaster, you really are missing out on, on getting your audience, especially being discovered natively on Android. Because on Android, there is no native podcatcher. This is not something I have recently considered, and especially as it relates to this podcast and two others I recently launched. When I looked at having our own app for Open Apple when I was the co-host of that show a couple years ago, it was quite expensive to have our own po- mobile app developed. So how does one go about getting oh, one? It's, it's actually not. I mean, if you host with Libsyn, it's, it's pretty easy. It's a $50 one-time setup fee to Libsyn. It's $10 a month more on top of your account. And you get a smartphone app that's for iOS, Android, Windows Phone 8, and Windows 8. And that gets you in the iTunes App Store, the Amazon App Store, the Google Play App Store, Windows Phone 8 App Store, and Windows 8 App Store. So you get four apps, five biggest app stores, $50 setup fee to Libsyn, $10 a month. And then you have to get an iTunes developer account and a Google Play developer account. But that, that's it. And, and you've got an app. And it, you, if people want to go and look at what that app looks like, just uh, go into iTunes and search for uh, Today in iOS podcast, TII. Search for TII is the name of that because we couldn't use Today in iOS as a name. Uh, or Podcast 411 uh, is, is the other one that you can find out there in the different app stores. And, and that's free, and you can see what it looks like for your end users. But it really is the easiest way. I just tell people now, just go and download my app. Uh, that's what I tell them. I don't even tell them to go subscribe to the podcast when I, when I talk to people now. I say, just go download my app. Wow, that's an excellent resource. Thank you. What other benefits does Libsyn offer? There are so many hosting platforms out there. People can roll their own WordPress sites. What does one get out of going with Libsyn? One, you're going to get a reliable feed. So the Libsyn feed is is going to be the most reliable. WordPress feeds are a nightmare. Actually, WordPress feeds are the number one complaint issue in the iTunes support forums. If you look at the top shows in, in iTunes, you'll actually not see any of them of the top 200 shows, uh, like 2%, 3% of the top 200 shows using a WordPress feed because WordPress feeds are a bear to, to manage. And by the way, if your show gets really popular and you have a WordPress feed, it can bring your whole website down because of the bandwidth just for the feed. So you definitely, one thing I always tell people is never use a WordPress feed for your podcast. It, that's a, like a big no-no. But there are other services out there, and there's other services that are free. And you know what? There's always been free services out there, and a lot of them over the last 10 years have gone out of business. 
uh, one of the things you get with Libsyn, uh, it's a paid-for service, but you get reliability. If you actually look in iTunes, about 35% of the top 200 shows, give or take 5%, are hosting with Libsyn, and including the NFL. So all the NFL podcasts are with us, some of the biggest names in podcasting, uh, Joe Rogan, Mark Marin, Aisha Tyler, uh, Joyce Meyer. Uh, so you, you're talking about some of the biggest shows out there host with us. So you're getting reliability. Uh, and then the reason they're hosting with us beyond the reliability was the statistics. They all want really good stats. And what you get with Libsyn is really good stats. You actually know how many downloads you're getting, and you can find out where those downloads are coming from. Are they coming from the U.S.? Are they coming from New York? Are they coming from New York City? So you get some good information on your statistic, on your on your um, your audience, and where they are, which is important if you want to monetize. And then we have the tools to help you monetize. And along with the smartphone apps, we also have a premium offering. So think of it as your own personal Netflix or Hulu Plus for your show that integrates with your apps and a web page and, and allows people to uh, pay you to get access to some of your premium content. You've mentioned iTunes statistics quite a few times, but there are other services out there like Stitcher, which also reads your RSS feed, and then there are services that host your MP3s like Spreaker and SoundCloud. Now, certainly iTunes is a given. Any podcaster needs to be on that platform. What other platforms does a person need to consider? The biggest one uh, outside of iTunes is Stitcher. So iTunes is bigger than everybody else combined. Stitcher is bigger than all the other podcast aggregators combined. So number one is iTunes. Number two is Stitcher. There's that, those are one and two. Then you want to make sure your feed is, in, is in, um, in iTunes because if your feed's in iTunes, then it's going to be in Shifty Jelly Pocket Casts, um, which is number three on the aggregators. And number four is now Overcast. So you want to make sure you're in Overcast. Those are, are the top ones. You also want to manually submit to TuneIn Radio. Um, but beyond that, really everything else is noise. Um, and even SoundCloud. If your podcast isn't about music, you're not going to get an audience from SoundCloud. Uh, there's quite a few podcasters that have put them up there, and they'll tell you that they really don't, didn't get anything out of it. The, the key place to be, without a doubt, iTunes and then Stitcher. And then make sure your feeds, once you're in iTunes, your feeds should show up in um, Overcast and Shifty Jelly Pocket Cast. So you want to make sure your shows show up in those two aggregators. The only benefit I have found to SoundCloud, which is a benefit I'm currently enjoying by also hosting my shows on YouTube, is the ability to link to a specific segment of my, of my show. Rather than tell somebody, load this MP3 and then skip to 32 minutes and 15 seconds, I can send them a URL that goes right to that, thanks to SoundCloud. So in addition to distribution, you also have to, of course, have the right equipment to record your podcast. This podcast right now, I'm not in my studio, I'm just using a simple USB headset for this interview, and I hope the sound quality is sufficient. And that might be all somebody needs to get started with podcasting, but what equipment do you recommend that they use? Well, you don't have to spend a lot of money. Uh, as a matter of fact, I say if you spent over $150 on your microphone, you spent way too much money. Uh, you can There's the Yeti mic, which is what I'm talking on right now, which is a USB mic with $95 from B&H uh, Photo, uh, which is a really good mic. Uh, there, there's another one out there, the ATR2100 from Audio-Technica, which is, is a really good audio quality. And I've heard that microphone side-by-side -side compared um, to the uh, Hale mic and it, the Audio-Technica when you couldn't tell which was which and you picked which one was better most people were picking the, the Audio-Technica which is like 65 bucks so you know there, you don't have to spend a lot of money on, on equipment to get going now if you're trying to record Skype 
you know, I always recommend you record Skype off off a computer with some extra hardware. It makes it easier and it's a little bit better quality sound. But, you know, to get started, just, you know, get a microphone, hook it up to your computer and go, or even better, hook it up to you, right to your iPad and record on the iPad and there's no fan noise. Uh, there's a good app out there for the iPad called Boss Jock, and, which is nice for doing recording. So if, you, if you're looking to get started on a, with an iOS device, Boss Jock's definitely the best app. And what's the rest of your workflow like? What software do you use? Uh, for my show today in iOS, I, it's really just me talking into a microphone, the Yeti, into my Mac and recording in GarageBand. And I edit as I go. And then I bring in listener feedback that, that's been emailed or called into the show. And so that's my, my workflow is pretty simple. It's recording, edit in GarageBand, Yeti mic right into my, la- into my MacBook Pro. And I use sound soap um, for cleaning up the background fan noise from my computer because I have an external monitor and it tends to kick the fan noise on when I'm using GarageBand. I use Audacity primarily because it's cross-platform. And when my co-host was a Windows-based individual, it was easier for us to collaborate as opposed to GarageBand. What I don't like about Audacity is that it's destructive editing, which makes it a lot harder to recover from an editing error. Yeah, and if you have a crash in in audacity it can be a pain to try to get back stuff that's been lost my experience is that it's impossible <laughs> that would be difficult <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, for, now fortunately for people who want are taking notes they can find links to all the products and services that we've mentioned in the show notes for this mp3 but also there is an entire ebook that you've written all on the subject tell us about it yeah, it's called podcast 101 it's in itunes it's free uh, it's been in there for a few years. I just updated it this year. Uh, and it does actually go over Audacity um, because I wanted to make it cross-platform for that ebook. So it was one ebook. If you have a Mac or a PC, it didn't matter. And it taught you how to podcast. And it takes you from the ground up. It takes you from recording, editing, uh, even doing phone interviews, a service that's in there, uh, converting it to MP3, getting ID3 tags, setting up a, a hosting account, uploading your files, getting your RSS feed set up, submitting to iTunes, takes you all the way through. Every step you need to know that if you download this ebook two hours from now, you can have your podcast submitted to iTunes. And it is free. So again, Podcast 101, um, if you have a, a Mac, I think you have to run uh, 10.9 or later, or I think actually it was it. Um, Mavericks or later for uh, on the Mac, and if you have an iPad, and it is an iBook, so you do need an iPad. Excellent. Well, I have used the version one of that book in the undergraduate class that I teach because my students all produce episodes of this podcast for the show. I'll be sure to update the syllabus for version 2.0 of the ebook. Are there any other resources you want to point potential podcasters to? One thing, if you're, if you're looking to get into podcasting or have, um, I do a podcast uh, with my co-host Elsie, and it's called The Feed. So if you search, actually search, it's Libsyn's official podcast. If you go to uh, iTunes and search for Libsyn and then look for The Feed, and you can actually download the app or the, subscribe to the podcast. And we go over questions on podcasting and teaching people how to podcast and what's new with Libsyn. But it's not just about Libsyn. Matter of fact, most of the show isn't about Libsyn. Most of the show is 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 about podcasting in general and iTunes and tricks and tips and things like that. So that's a really good resource. Uh, Podcast411.com, my website, there's still some good tutorials there and and the old archives of those shows. I haven't put a new episode out 
yet. I need to. Uh, it's been a since December since I put a new episode up, but uh, there there's a good archive in there to learn uh, how to podcast there. So those those are the two things you know places I'd recommend. And of course, the the if you want to get the uh, iBook and you don't have a, a Mac uh, running Mavericks or later, and don't have an iPad, you can email me Rob at uh, Libsyn dot com R O B at L I B S Y N dot com or Rob at Podcast One One dot com either one, and uh, I will send you a PDF of that iBook since uh, I know not everybody has a, a Mac or a, or an iPad. And, of course, people can also follow you on Twitter at Podcast4011, right? Correct. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for your time. Rob Walsh, VP of Podcaster Relations at Libsyn. It's been a joy learning more about podcasting from you, and I look forward to seeing you at Kansas Fest next year. Any parting shots? Uh, no, hopefully by then I'll have my iPhone 6 Plus right now. It looks like it's going to be four weeks plus. But, you know, the beauty is podcasting is just going to get even more popular, I would just say, to people iOS 8. With it launching on September 17th, podcasting is now native. The podcast app is now native in, in iOS 8. So it's, it's an app that people can't even delete off their iOS devices. What about the iWatch? you going to get one of those? I will, yes. Yeah. So I guess at KFest, I'll be showing my iWatch with my hopefully my, uh, my iPhone 6 Plus. Excellent. I can't wait to play with it. Thank you, sir. This has been the Pubcast. Find more episodes, read our blog, or send feedback by visiting us on the web at www.thepubcast.org.